0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, 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 hey. What up, though? You're listening to I'm Probably Right. I am Reggie Watkins. Kevin Cleveland, my man, is running the boards, producing the engineering. What's up, Kevin? Yo, Reggie. Doing great. How was your weekend, man? Oh, weekend was fantastic. I went to a uh, piano recital. Actually, Jay Lee, who was in our um, Blue Check Diaries. Jay Lee, star of the Orville, is also a classically trained pianist, if you remember the episode. And he did a concert this weekend that me and my wife went to, my wife and I went to, and it was fantastic. How about your weekend? Uh, I spent most of it crying after the uh, pathetic Rams effort and being beat up by the uh, Cardinals. Oh yeah, y'all got y'all got beat down. Uh we will talk about that. But before we do that, I want you guys to make sure you are rating, reviewing, commenting, subscribing. And when I say commenting, I don't mean hating. Leave something nice. Be good. We love that. But we are going to talk about the NFL recap. I got some things that were on my mind. 49ers, Baker Mayfield, uh Tom Brady and uh the Patriots. Uh Urban Meyer. We've he's been a constant uh topic on this show but we're gonna get into him because he had a little uh trouble uh this past week we're gonna talk about Bubba Wallace winning at Talladega and what it means for NASCAR and Facebook got a little bit of a whistleblowing situation going on but first up week four of the NFL is in the books and we can finally be done with the nonsense that was Tom Brady and the Buccaneers versus uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. The game is over and we can be done with this soap opera that they have been subjecting us to ever since they announced this game on the schedule in the offseason. Kevin, I'm so thankful this is done because this game was not a good game. It was a hell. It was raining buckets out there and you had tom brady coming back to new england and we had all the sentimentality and all this stuff and oh how's it going to be for tom brady coming back and what are they going to do with with belichick are they going to shake hands are they going to hug who gives a damn why do we give a damn about whether or not these two dudes who we don't really know from adam or if they're going to hug or they going to be nice to each other they play football Tom Brady is really good at playing quarterback. Bill Belichick is really good at coaching football teams. That's what they do. I could care less if they are friends. But we made this whole big old thing about what was going to happen when they played in the game. And what we ended up getting was an average game with some terrible weather and a whatever outcome. I mean, Tom Brady did not look good. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looked like Bill Belichick had his number. I mean the Buccaneers still won the game, but it looked like Tom Brady was out there struggling and it looked like the weather was affecting some of his throws. And, you know, I saw him overthrow some people. He, he made one great pass to Antonio Brown that Antonio Brown dropped. And that would have been a, a dope catch, which would have uh, got my win uh, with Vegas because I had a certain uh, spread that was not hit. Thanks a lot, Antonio and Tom Brady. But there's a narrative going around that, The Patriots look great in this game and they should feel good about this. No, they lost the game. Same thing that was happening with the Cowboys in week one where there was moral victories going around. And people are trying to give a moral victory to the Patriots and I just don't see it. They lost the game, 19 to 17. Well, Mac Jones was spectacular. Uh, What game were y'all watching? Because I watched a game where Mac Jones went 31 for 40. He completed 19 passes in a row at one point, which is... Cool, but he completed 19 passes in a row with the ball barely going five yards past the line of scrimmage. What, 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 why are we giving people cookies and brownies for that? He was 31 for 40, 275 yards, average complete average yards per attempt 6.9 for his season. Mac Jones is a (laughs) 6.3 average per attempt that has him at 27th in the league. That means he's better than five starting quarterbacks at average yards per attempt. And it's so what I've been just saying about Mac Jones. He's just a guy. But, but, but people call him spectacular. He was amazing. He showed up and showed out. They scored 17 points at home. Where, where's the spectacular? I don't understand what we're doing with this guy. He's good, but he ain't great. And it's a common theme with some of these These young quarterbacks that we've been seeing this this season, early in week four, we're seeing all the young quarterbacks. And usually when you have these rookie quarterbacks, you're all excited because they're going to ball out and you want to see them. The only person I'm really excited and I've been excited to see is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, right? And Justin Fields came back from, I mean, I, I feel like he definitely bounced back because he couldn't get any worse. Right? I mean, I guess he could only go up for what he did against the Cleveland Browns uh, the week before where he got sacked nine times, which was inevitable, like we said here, because the Cleveland Browns have two Hall of Fame talents at defensive end and the Chicago Bears have boo-boo at their offensive line. And Justin Fields is a rookie. He had nine sacks, looked terrible. But I told you guys last week and I told people who wanted to who, who wanted to argue with me, there of course this is the time to start justin fields i think starting him against the browns was the best thing they could have done because you're going to see the bullets flying at a hundred miles per hour and then you get to go to play against detroit at home that's going to look like night and day and what happened it was night and day justin fields went from completing 45 percent of his passes the week before i mean no he was at like 40 uh, 45 to 48 to this week, completing sixty percent and throwing eleven for seven. I mean, he was eleven for seventeen. He made three deep ball throws that looked Patrick Mahomes ish. I mean, he they were on the money dimes and it's just a progression the guy saw the bad tape he put out against the browns and it wasn't all bad tape i saw a lot of positives come out of that game he didn't throw any interceptions he didn't turn the ball over he didn't look rushed he took his beating and lived to see another day they got to this game against the lions and ended up winning 24 to 14 he made some great throws had some good scrambles and it's just building blocks however their coach, Matt Nagy, is still holding the company line that Andy Dalton is our starter when he gets back. When he's not injured, he's our starter. And I don't understand why. You're not winning with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not throwing the three perfect deep balls that Justin Fields threw uh, against the Lions. Andy Dalton is not running for first downs and keeping drives alive with his feet. Justin Fields is the answer for the Chicago Bears. And Matt Nagy is just on borrowed time because I think he's getting fired at the end of this year anyways. It doesn't even matter. So he should stay in there. Baker Mayfield. Um, Cleveland Brown fans are about to be in trouble because Baker Mayfield is coming up on the last year of his deal. This is year four. He's got one more year of the fifth year of his contract. And he is just average enough to where the Cleveland Browns are going to have to make a decision. They're either going to have to extend him and give him some real money. They're going to give him, like, Dak Prescott, $40 million, uh a year type money. Or they're going to franchise tag him and, and have, like, a Kirk Cousins situation, which is ironic because that's who they played this weekend. They played the Minnesota Vikings and beat them 14-7 to 7 where the Browns won the game in spite of Baker Mayfield being putrid. Putrid. Because right now he is just a dude who's average and cannot get the ball to the team's best playmaker in Odell Beckham Jr. And we talked about this again on the show before. It's not a Baker, it's not an Odell problem that Baker Mayfield can't get him. The ball. And these these throws that he was making him, he threw one at his feet, he threw one at the back of a of a DB's head where Odell had clear touchdowns. He completed two passes to Odell out of seven targets. That is horrendous you've got to be able to get the ball to your great playmakers or you're going to be a team that is constantly on the treadmill of making the playoffs but early exits that's it unless they can get an all-world defense which hell they have a great defense but are they all world are they 2000 ravens are they 85 chicago bears are they uh hell 49ers of 2019 were actually really good on defense. Are they that good to where they can make up for Baker Mayfield being average and they can run the ball? Because I just don't see it. And so they're in a situation like the Dallas Cowboys were in a couple of years ago, right? Where they had, well, hell, last year, they have to figure out, are they gonna give Dak Prescott the money? Is he the guy that you pay this type of money or do we just go back to the drawing board and start over again? and the Browns are right there with Baker Mayfield. I mean, Kevin, he was 33% completions when under pressure this entire season. He's 30, 31 out of 34 qualifying QBs. He is almost dead last and out of starting quarterbacks. He's gotten worse every year. I mean, this week he was 15 for 33, 155 yards, zero touchdowns, I mean, hell, you got Odell Beckham out there. You might as well call him Odell Blocking Jr. Because that's all he does with Baker Mayfield. He blocks. There's no there's no catches. And this guy, when he's healthy, he is a top five. I think he's the best receiver in the game when he's healthy. He's fast. He blocks. He's a great teammate. He has great hands. But he has a terrible quarterback. And so you're just wasting him. And the Browns are going to have a decision to make. I would not give him the money. I would, I would hold out. Let's see how he does in year five with on a one year left of his contract. And maybe you franchise tag him if he has a good year, but it's trending towards, no, he's going to be terrible. I think his acting career will take off. Cause I enjoy the commercials. He does more than his play ability. <laughs> Right. The commercials are the best thing Baker Mayfield does. Absolutely. Those are the best things. I think they're getting better, too, because last year the commercials were like, eh, this year they're getting so much better. And it looks like he's been taking more acting classes than he's been uh, working on his passes. Yeah, absolutely. They got to do something. Cleveland's in trouble. Um, 49ers. That is my team, Kevin. You know that. Um, yeah, I'm going to need some help from you next week, but it's going to be tough after. Uh... Uh, yeah, there will be no help coming from the 49ers. <laughs> I didn't uh, that. Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. Our defense looks eh, whatever. I mean, we, we, there, there's so many injuries, but the defense just looks average. And they can't, the defense can't be on the field all day. And that's what's happening. Uh, because Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. He's, he's okay. He's serviceable. But. There's a reason why the 49ers traded all that draft capital to go up to number three to take Trey Lance, a dude who I was skeptical of and did not want to see. I wanted them to get Justin Fields. But they seem to think that he has all this upside, and you see glimpses of it. When he throws the ball, he has a nice arm. He throws the ball a little too hard sometimes. He's not as accurate as he needs to be. He's a rookie who didn't even play football last year. And he's only really played one season. He's thrown 317 college footballs. And this guy is coming to the NFL. He's not gonna look great. It's going to look bad. But I saw good things versus the card, I mean versus the Seahawks. Yes, he holds the ball too long, but those are things you can coach up. He throws the ball too hard. Those are things you can coach up. But what I saw was pocket presence and escapability. And that's all you want to see out of that guy. That dude kept plays alive. He made things happen. And this week against the Cardinals, he's going to start actually, Kevin, I'm going to that game. I'm going to Arizona this weekend with my dad and my son and my sister will be there. We're going to go and watch the game and we're going to lose, but I want to see Trey Lance play against a lights out defense, people flying all around. And I want to see how he handles it because I think it doesn't even matter with Jimmy G. The 49ers are not winning the Super Bowl. That's a wrap. Now, with trey lance we're definitely not winning the super bowl and we probably don't even make the playoffs well we probably don't even make the playoffs with jimmy g but at least i want to see the guy play because the only way he's going to get better is actually being out there now and seeing what we've got put him out there let him learn on the fly it's going to be ugly at times and it sucks for our defense because our defense was supposed to be really good but we're seeing now they're not that great and uh nick bosa Does that dude have any moves? All I ever see him do is bull rush. There's no spin. There's no nothing. It's just, I got to get past you on this corner, and if I don't, the quarterback is fine. We, I, the, the Niners, man, they're the worst team in that division. Uh, we thought, I mean, NFC West is still a dope division. I think it's the best, the, the, the best division besides the AFC West in football. But the Niners, uh, I, I could see them being the fourth-best team, not making the playoffs. Your Rams uh, got manhandled yes, they did. by the Cardinals. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I got a dose of Kyler Murray, and boy, that little guy can run around. Oh, man, it's going to be special. I can't wait to see that dude play uh, yeah, he looked this good. weekend. It's going to be insane. Um, and last but not least, we've got Urban Meyer. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 0-4 after losing a tough game in Cincinnati on Thursday Night Football. I usually don't even like Thursday Night Football. Usually those are the worst games to me because it's always a short week, so people aren't healed and rested properly. But I got to say, the last couple of the Thursday Night Games have been pretty good games. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played well, almost got these guys to a win. Joe Burrow played a little bit better, and they were at home, so they got the dub. But after the game and going 0-4, urban meyer who um you know for all for likes to tell everybody that these losses really haunt him and hurt him and he just can't take it he just eats it and and it festers on him uh didn't seem to fester on him too much because there was video of urban meyer hanging around in ohio after the team had flown back home he stayed said he was staying to hang out with his grandkids when um i don't know if where he was at but i don't think grandkids are allowed into bars and restaurants like this where they got people dancing on you because what happened was there was some girl who was not his wife dancing all up on urban meyer did you see that kevin i did and it looked like quite the sensual dance i mean she looked like she was she looked like she could dance and i'm not here to you know question Urban Myers' life choices and what he does. I don't give a damn about that. You do what you do, man. I'm not judging you or none of that. But at at some point in time, these things start to add up, right? You're 0-4. What the hell are you doing at a restaurant getting lap dances? And while the team is going back home and these losses are supposed to really hurt you, then why the hell ain't you instead of getting lap dances, why aren't you in the office somewhere trying to figure out how to not be 0-4? And it adds up. You know, he brought in the dude from Iowa, the strength and conditioning coach who had the the, the racist uh, comments history. Hired him without really talking to anybody. Rubbed the team the wrong way. Had to fire the dude before the season even started. Then he brings in Tim Tebow. Nepotism like a mug, right? Waste a roster spot on having this dude come in here and look terrible. Trades away Gardner Minshew who is the backup quarterback for the team, a good backup quarterback, in case anything goes wrong with Trevor Lawrence, you got somebody in there to help this team out. Trades him for a ham sandwich. And now this. And the owner of Shad Khan has come out and said, yeah, he has to regain our trust. And Kevin, not to mention, when he does his press conference talking about how he has to do better, he apologized to the team, he dry snitched on Trevor Lawrence. He said, you know, I got to do better, you know. I, you know, I just know how things, you know, the media gets out there, and you know, stuff ends up in the media. But it was, it's kind of like when Trevor Lawrence had his bachelor party in Las Vegas, because I know what happens out there. What? Why the hell is my name coming up in your misbehaving press conference? What are you doing, dog? We cannot have this. And and people are are are. I got friends who are like, man, I hope he comes to USC. There ain't no way in hell USC is bringing Urban Meyer here. I think Urban Meyer's done after this year. I don't think he's 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 a he's a college uh he's an NFL coach. I just don't think it's going to happen. He's not coming to USC. USC right now, if people don't know, is emb- <laughs> they're dealing with a billion dollar settlement for sexual misconduct uh on the campus, right? They're not bringing in Urban Meyer who has had who has appeared to look lenient on domestic violence uh, with his coaching staff. Uh, there's been sexual assaults and things of that nature on campus at Florida, on campus at Ohio State with players where he is seen to be lenient on that. You can't have half of the campus afraid that the coach, the new coach is coming in is just gonna be letting people run wild. There's no way he's coming to USC. I don't know if there's any big name program that could have that guy there. He's made his money. He needs to just chill. Uh, this is not going to be a multi-year, uh, you know, career for Urban Meyer in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. Players, you're asking the players to put aside their vanities and, you know, not be going out and getting into trouble. So for the betterment of the team and the organization, and then the coaches out there getting caught on camera, getting lap dances from somebody ain't his wife, you can't do that, dog. You gotta, be you, especially you, you gotta be home in the books, trying to figure out how to get us better. And he ain't doing that. So this Urban Meyer movie is gonna be, uh, it's gonna be ending pretty soon. We'll be back after the break. Kevin, are you a NASCAR fan? I am not a fan of cars that drive in circles, but I am a fan of what you're about <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> yeah i've never really gotten into the whole um nascar thing and going and watching people make a bunch of left turns right at at at, at death defying speeds um but i am interested in i mean hell anytime a black person gets involved in something that normally black people ain't involved in i'm interested right if it's hell the black bachelorette I was there for that. Uh, The black bachelor, I'm there for that. Black ice hockey players, I'm there for that. So Bubba Wallace just won at Talladega, which makes him the second black driver ever to win at the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, The first person was Wendell Scott in 1963, and he wasn't even declared the victor for several months. Several months they took to say this black dude won a race in 1963. That's how much they didn't want to give it. We're sitting there at the track watching him pass and win. We're going to speculate on whether or not we're going to give him this win in this sport uh, for a couple of months. And he was, his family, Kevin, his family was just giving a trophy for that race two months ago. Terrible. Won in 1963. The family just received a trophy two months ago. So you can tell the history that NASCAR has with black drivers and just, you know, the tradition that goes on and it's, you know, down the South, it's a it's a south Southern sport. Um, so it's pretty big that Bubba Wallace won at Talladega. And this is also the place where 16 months ago, Bubba Wallace, uh, his crew found a noose hanging in the garage. You remember that? I do. Yeah. So his crew found a noose hanging in the garage. It wasn't Bubba Wallace. It was somebody on his crew uh, that that got in touch with NASCAR. NASCAR sent it up to the FBI. FBI came and investigated. They found out that the noose was already there. It had been used at a previous race. So it wasn't a hate crime, you know, supposedly that. Bubba wallace had found and you know it wasn't uh, an act of, of of hate violence against him however there's still a speculation as to why the black dude got this garage where there was a noose in the garage right i mean it just there's a little gray area there like why um so that was a thing at talladega and for him to come back and win this race Um, the, the, the race was actually stopped due to rain and he had just gotten through like a five car crash maneuvered ahead and was ahead and they stopped the race. This was the second time they stopped it because of a rain of rain issues. And after they called the race, he won. And of course, after he won, they've got, you've got the haters out there. Well, he only won because they stopped the race and you know, they want him to win because they want a black guy to win haters. Well, he only won because, you know, he he made this maneuver and, and he shouldn't have even done this. Haters. This is so dope on so many levels, man, to see this cat get here. Because what it does is it tells you that white people weren't just inherently better race car drivers, which is what, you know, the the pervading thought was, especially down south. Oh, we're just better at driving cars. No, what happens is you just had more resources and more opportunities. Give everybody an equal playing field, and you're going to see more equality happen in the results. And for years, Bubba Wallace didn't have the sponsorship, which is the biggest deal in NASCAR. This stuff costs money, man. Like the, the 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 pit crews, having the best engine, getting the best uh, you know the, the the best pit crew, getting the best tires, the people who work the fastest, the people who know the most, you have to have money for all that. And so now Bubba Wallace is running with 23x1 which is co-owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin who is a racer himself in the NASCAR series and now he's got sponsors. he's got McDonald's on the on the front of his deal he's got people sponsoring him and so now he's got money behind him and now you're starting to see this dude can race just like everybody else and i think it's so dope that he did this and it's so it's so monumental i mean and don't forget he also was you know behind nascar getting rid of the the confederate flag at their events big deal and you still see the Confederate flag at these events. I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch. They don't, you know, they can't bring them inside the stadium, but outside, man, you would think the Confederate won. <laughs> they got, they got the flags flying, and it's always so odd to me that people roll around trouting out a loser's flag. They lost. We understand they lost, right? And for America, we so about winning and, and first and all that stuff. Why are y'all out there flying the flag of people who lost? I'll never understand it. But I think it's really dope for Bubba Wallace. I commend him. And uh I, I now I'm gonna start watching. I'm gonna watch these left turns now, Kevin. I wanna see. <laughs> I'm gonna see what he can what he can do. Um now will it bring more black people to the sport of NASCAR and, and car racing? I doubt it. I mean, it's, I mean, it just costs too much money. You're not going to get the sponsorship that that everybody else is going to get, you know? And, and it's elitist type sport, but there's always hope. Hell, my stepdad uh, runs a race team and they trying and trucking and moving their way. So I know that they are happy as hell for Bubba Wallace because hopefully some of that stuff will trickle down to them. But I think it's just a great day for America. Whenever there's equality and more equality, America wins. We'll be back after the break. So, Kevin, you ever heard that song, uh, Blow the Whistle? Uh, <laughs> blow the Whistle. <laughs> I'm terrible at whistling, but blow the whistle on I'm lucky <laughs> that one up. Blow the whistle. <laughs> have, you, have you heard it? I have not. Maybe I have, but it's okay. coming to my mind right now. Okay, so it's a song uh, by Too Short, and uh, it's, it's a dope track. But what it makes me initially, and, and it brings me to, is uh, Facebook. Facebook had a whistleblower uh, roll up on them this past weekend. Um, Name was Frances Haugen, and she worked for Facebook for a number of years, uh, and she was on 60 Minutes this past Sunday, and then she took to Congress today to talk about... Today is is Tuesday. Um, She took to Congress to talk about some of the things that Facebook was doing, and uh yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, I mean Kevin, do you still have Facebook? I do, but I only post relevant things on there like when I kick a field goal during a tour at SoFi Stadium. <laughs> I, I could see that. I could see that it's still there for see I got rid of Facebook about five years ago. Um I think I think I probably got rid of it right after Trump won because I saw hell leading up to Trump winning the presidency, um I was seeing just tear by my, my feed was just terrible. It was just getting more and more terrible, more and more uh divisive. And I was just like, I can't be here. And plus I was getting all these, you know, messengers and chain letters from family members saying pass this along, uh, you know, to 10 people and I hate those. Um and I was basically only there for my family and, and like distant family who still wanted to see you and all that stuff because they still use Facebook and but I had to get off there. It was just too toxic and, and just too much. I can only imagine what it is now, and so what Francis uh, went and was talking about was that you know she accused Facebook of putting astronomical profits before people, um, and you know she detailed how they the company had deliberate efforts to keep people, especially children, hooked on their products, which Facebook owns, Instagram and WhatsApp, um, and I can see how that might be a thing. And i posed this question on my instagram today because i wonder do we feel that facebook and social media apps should be a moral compass for the world like should they be the ones doing all the good in the world because they didn't start this thing to be our therapist right and i'm just i'm just speaking from both sides here facebook did not get in the game of social media apps to help people and help the world be better humans they did it because they wanted to make money right like it's not facebook's job and i don't feel this way i don't feel like it's facebook's job to make sure that i feel good about myself now their products right they've got these these apps where you know you can face tune and you can fix your face and you can put these filters on that make you look better and yada and yada and then now the problem that i see is when it's for children okay because kids don't have the bandwidth in their brain yet to make these decisions to say well this is this is altered i don't need to worry about that i don't need to feel good about that uh, it's, i don't i don't need this to make me feel good oh they put the filter on here it's whatever that's not real they're not able to to do that yet They don't have that level of discernment in their lives. So that is an issue for sure that I think needs to be taken up with. But for adults, yo, Facebook don't owe you anything. You're on there for entertainment. You're there to stare at the pictures of that girl, that guy, to scroll and see what they're eating, where they went on vacations. You're, that's all for you. That's what you're there for. Now, is there hate speech and divisive comments and things that happen of that nature? Yes. That stuff needs to be regulated. I don't think that Facebook should be allowing people to hate, right? There should be, I mean, but, but at the same time, it's still just human beings. Human beings are going to hate. Hell, Facebook is a company that's in the business of people. The more people that are on their platforms, the more money they make. What travels faster than good news? Bad news. what travels faster than good news gossip people are there for this so it kind of comes to a it comes to a head of what are they going to do are they going to pick a side and be hey we're not going to allow people to come on here and hate and talk talk trash to people and do this or that or move things in, in one direction because if they're not letting things go to the right then they're pushing things to the left They almost have to be right in the middle here because that's how they make their money. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but that's the conversation you have to have. So what do you do? As an adult, you just walk away. You say, I'm not going to be a part of this. I canceled my Facebook because I just didn't like what was on there. I got off. And if I don't want my child to be on there, then that's on me to make sure that I delegate that. Yo, you are not allowed to do this. You cannot be on Facebook because your, your brain is not ready for this. You can't be on Instagram because of this. If you see that your child is having issues and things like that because of the social media aspect of the world weighing down on them, then you have to take the appropriate action. We can't be on Facebook to parent for us. But at the same time, so I go over the other side of it, right? There's a reason we have police. Right. Police. I don't I don't I don't love the police. I don't like the police, but I understand why there is a presence or a need for regulation in certain places. Because people aren't the best at policing themselves. If we let everything go unchecked, it would be the wild, wild west. I had friends talking um, last week about how California is just overregulated. Yeah, well, when you're the most populated part of a country, You kind of need more rules because if there weren't enough rules, there would be pure chaos. So, yes, Facebook needs to be reined in. There needs to be something going on where we get some kind of regulation for them. They have to do this. They have to comply with this. If they don't, then there's these, um, you know, consequences. But we're, I mean, hell, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here in America. Hell, in India and Africa, Facebook is basically like a utility. That's how people c- talk to their families. That's how people talk on the phone. So everybody has to have Facebook there. It's kind of like, there's no way, there's no getting around it outside of the of, of America in certain places. And then when that's the case, you see these kind of things pop up where like in uh, Myanmar, where there was just like ethnic genocide going on because of WhatsApp, people were able to use that for for evil, basically evil and spreading misinformation that got people killed. So Facebook definitely needs to be regulated, but I also don't need them to be my moral compass. Maybe you do, but what does that say about you? That's our episode for this week. I'm Reggie Watkins. You're listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe, leave a comment. Please don't be hating. Kevin Cleveland runs the boards, engineers, produces. Thank you so much, sir. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.